You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rick, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the producer of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Good. Um, it was, you know, I, aren't you glad you didn't make that trip <laughs> to uh, Colorado like you thought you were going to do <laughs> earlier this season? Uh, now you're saving that to actually just go to Hawaii, win or lose. You're, you at least you make a trip out of it, right? Yeah. You know, it was funny because at halftime I was looking at that game thinking, man, they're <laughs> scoring every possession. This is awesome. I should have been there. And then I got ugly real fast in the second half. And, uh, I mean, that 11-minute drive Air Force closed the game with was uh, one of the more uh, embarrassing moments of Fresno State football in quite some time. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, after the game was over, I was pretty glad I was at home. But uh, you know, it's always fun to make those trips, and whenever I'm watching Bulldog football, it's a it's a good time. So, uh, but good chance for me. I've been covering Hawaii from afar for the last couple of years, and I'm really looking forward to that game uh, in a couple of weeks. But we got to see if Fresno State can get their act together and, and make that a high stakes game if they can win these next two at home. Yeah, I mean, what started off as a promising season all of a sudden looks a little bit grim. The Bulldogs are no longer in the driver's seat in this one um, by losing to Air Force. Uh, so it makes things uh, a little bit more interesting in the West Division. Uh, the Bulldogs may need some help later on in order to secure uh, the West Division. But for people who aren't uh, familiar with with Air Force, uh, you know... Like Jackson said, he thank God he didn't go because that's not an easy trip for us to make. Because first of all, you got to fly into to Denver, and then you got to make your way over to where Air Force is. So that involves renting a car and all of that, and it's a good hour to two hours away by the time you get there, right, Jackson? Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, you know, the Bulldogs only have to make that trip one every four years, and so since it's a interdivisional game. Uh, it doesn't quite hurt the Bulldogs as much in the conference standings as long as they take care of business in the West uh, and then probably have to win the other two mountain games to ensure that they would be the divisional champion. So that, uh, it's not looking like a, the most likely scenario right now after that game. But uh, a lot of teams in the West already – I mean, every team in the West has actually already lost one game. And so there's still a lot that's up for grabs. Every, just about everyone except for uh, Nevada and San Jose State – uh, feels like they've got a shot at running this thing, but um, yeah, Air Force uh, not an easy drive. Uh, fortunately, it was uh, not terribly cold or, or snowy or rainy. You can get all those things at Colorado Springs at this time of year. Uh, the Bulldogs didn't have to deal with any of that, but still didn't help their cause with a, a pretty lopsided loss there. No, it uh, it it really just. Uh, I mean, it was kind of hard to watch. I mean, like you said, it was fun to watch during early on in the game. You, you know, thought it was going to be a, one of those games where it's going to be, uh, you know, a slugfest back and forth. Uh, everybody's going to score, uh, which makes you kind of concerned with the with the Air Force uh, offense being able to move the ball against the defense that had two weeks to prepare. Um, and having two weeks to pre- prepare, they they really struggled against this uh this air force offense which was kind of surprising because you thought that you know with the extra time that they they would be able to come up with a defense to kind of at least slow down air force it looked like there was no slowing down air force right jackson yeah that was really concerning uh, because really 
Fresno State's run defense has not been a big issue this year. I mean, they shut down Sacramento State to 12 rushing yards. Of course, it's Sac State, but uh, they played Minnesota, a run-first team. They only put about 2.9 yards per carry. And then looking at USC and New Mexico State, those two teams had some success and a very different running style than Air Force where they're spreading out the ball and running uh, with the spread-out defense. And, you know, you figured Air Force, if they were going to hurt you, it was going to be with all their triple option, with their pitches, you know, trying to be responsible with your assignments. That's always a challenge for a defense. But it felt like Fresno State was oftentimes in the right place at the right time. They Their worst play of the game on the running attack was only uh, 20 yards, so they weren't giving up big home run hits to the Falcons or anything. But when they were in the right position, they weren't able to get those stops, get those tackles. Um, we saw a lot of times, you know, Air Force didn't even have to go to those pitch plays. They were just hurting the Bulldogs with the dive, being physical in the middle, uh, getting the Bulldogs D-line off right from the get-go and picking up chunks of yards. Uh, when they were out on the pitch, it seemed like the Bulldogs were undermanned uh, just enough to where Air Force could get those extra three to four yards at a time. And there was really just no answer for the Bulldogs. Uh, Air Force had seven real possessions by my count, and they scored on five of them, and a sixth one was an 11-minute drive where they kneeled at the end. So, I mean, just total dominance by the Falcons' offense. And, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint any one thing. Um, again, it seemed like the Bulldogs knew somewhat of what they were doing. I mean, I looked back at the last time the Bulldogs went to Air Force and lost in a similar fashion with Coach Druder's team, and they gave up those, you know, big 50-yard runs, 30-yard runs, several 25-yard runs, and that's when you say, whoa, these guys just have no clue <laughs> what they're doing. And that wasn't exactly it for the Bulldogs, but it just felt like they were being dominated right at the line of scrimmage with physicality, and Air Force took care of the rest from there. Um, and that's almost more concerning because that's something that you feel like can translate into following games. If the Bulldogs can't get it done at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, if they don't have the heart and intensity to make it go for four quarters. And I mean, obviously it looked like to me that they were out of gas and kind of folded on that last drive there in the fourth quarter. Um, so those are things that make you concerned going forward. But the message from the coaching staff here is that this is the only time they're going to see that triple option. Basically, erase this one from your memory because nothing you're going to see is like this the rest of the season but some of those things I worry might translate if uh, they can't get the locker room in it after that one well it's going to be it's going to be hard to kind of uh, you know have the Bulldogs just really wipe that one from their memories because it's another it's another loss um, and another one where the offensive line struggled uh, again uh, and another one where Jorge Reyna struggled uh, again with another interception this time a pick six so it makes things a little bit harder. I mean, when you start to do that more and more, uh, throwing those interceptions, and especially ones that are crucial like that, it's going to have to start creeping into Jorge's mind and making him second-guess himself throughout the season. It's it's going to get a little harder for him if he continues to turn over the ball, which, as we can tell, he he takes chances. But this so far this season, they have not paid off. <laughs> uh, I mean, you and I have both seen that play against USC. We've seen that play against Minnesota, uh, both of which you, know, you and I both were kind of thinking in our heads, don't throw the ball, and he still did it. So it's him th- taking those chances. Is it going to pay off for him to continue to do that? Or is it you know about time where you know coach, coach and staff start telling him, hey, start you know taking the sack if you have to 
you know that interception that he threw was a an odd play um the Bulldogs had two receivers basically standing right there and it looked like one Air Force defender <laughs> I was laughing it felt like the Air Force defender was in double coverage and got the interception <laughs> and took it back for a touchdown um it was a you know I think there was more there uh, obviously the offense was not in sync from passer to receiver but you know they have kind of reined in Jorge from that Minnesota game. He had thrown 95 straight passes without an interception since that Minnesota game. Uh, was a lot more conservative against Sacramento State and New Mexico State. And this one was really a tale of two halves. I mean, an awesome performance in the first half by Reina and the offense, where they got back to what was successful against New Mexico State. Uh, they basically just had him in the shotgun, one quick read, quick passes that really got it going against Air Force in the first half. He was 17 of 18 passing. I mean, ridiculous numbers, had 190 yards and two touchdowns. It was a near-perfect performance in the first half, but things started to break down in the second half, and that's what gets you. I mean, it hurts you against Air Force when you go three and out, and then their offense has the ball for six minutes, and then you go three and out again, and you know it's like you only had a couple snaps over about an hour at time. There was a stretch there. With halftime and those third-quarter drives, about 75 minutes where the Bulldogs touched the ball for about seven or eight snaps. And, uh, you know, it's hard to maintain rhythm when you're in that, especially when you're with an offensive line, a young one, that uh, put the Bulldogs in third and long uh, several times in the third and fourth quarters. I believe they were third and seven, third and seven, and third and ten. And this is an offense that preaches moving the sticks, being in uh, comfortable third down situations. So for them to be in those third and longs is pretty unacceptable uh, against Air Force and put them in bad spots. But that pick six did really seal it, put the game away for Air Force. And, um, you know, it, I, a lot of Raina caught a lot of flack for that pass, but I, you got to give him some credit for going, uh, what, 11 straight quarters without throwing a pick. And, uh, we really hadn't seen that kind of play from him for quite some time. So, uh, again, five games on the year, four picks. The, the ones he's thrown have been very critical, absolutely, but I think over the course of his season, um, it's not a terribly large issue when you look at the whole resume. Well, and, and one has to begin to wonder, is is it uh, uh, Jorge Reina making the bad read, or is it the the game plan being put in in you know putting him in a position to make that bad call uh so you know you can kind of argue it both ways what is the coaching staff doing him any favors by p- calling certain plays that they're calling uh, i mean it just it, it can make things a little bit uh, a little bit convoluted at certain times but at this moment what are you going to do? He's your quarterback. You got to stick with him. <laughs> you just got to make better calls <laughs> and put him in a good position to make a play. Um, just so far, it has not happened in the Bulldogs' direction. Hopefully, you know, their luck changes now that the they're coming back home finally after what seems like a whole year off uh, from oh, Bulldog Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, things should be a little bit different, a better atmosphere, something better for the Bulldogs to kind of try and and you know lick their wounds and so to speak and and try to get things back on track. They're they're not out of it by no means, right, Jackson? I mean, they still have the opportunity to take this West Division. Just now, it's going to be a little bit of a tougher road. Yeah, I mean, 
when you look at the interdivisional games, you are always able to lose one of those and survive, but it does make things a little bit more difficult, especially when the Bulldogs have to play Utah State down the line, which is looking like one of the better teams in the conference, and it's going to be a tough one to win. But with everyone in the Mountain West West Division having a loss already, theoretically, if the Bulldogs sweep the West, they can get to the title game with six victories. They'll have all the tiebreakers. So, um, we, so if Fresno State can win all the games in the West, and they just have to split Colorado State and Utah State. That's all it'll really take to get to that to that title game. But you know, the West is not looking terribly easy right now. Uh, San Diego State is at top at two and one. Uh, Hawaii one and one. They've only lost to um, uh, Boise State off this past weekend. Nevada and San Jose State are both looking a lot more competent this season. Uh, they just had a, a shootout game against each other last weekend, and of course UNLV coming in. They beat the Bulldogs two years ago uh, in Bulldog Stadium. They're going to try to do that again. So, I mean, this Fresno State team has not shown itself to be good enough to just run through this division by any means. And even if they do make significant strides, they can definitely trip up against essentially any of those teams, really. Uh, especially having to go on the road to Hawaii and San Diego State. But, um, you know, again, with everyone having a loss, it's there for the taking. But I haven't seen enough to prove that the Bulldogs are ready to do that yet. No, things are going to be um, – it's going to be a tougher road for the Bulldogs. They're going to have to try uh, and figure things out. Hopefully, uh, some of these uh, injured players uh, from Bulldogs are are going to start to return to the the lineup very soon hopefully um and i don't know jackson do you have a kind of a kind of an inside track as to some of these players starting to get healthy for the bulldogs uh some of the major ones uh, Natane mutsi on the offensive line of course uh, coaching staff seemed pretty optimistic last week that tone has changed quite a bit oh lord yeah so <laughs> uh sounds like for sure not this week that they would see him but um, we'll keep an eye on it. They're really not pushing him on a short week. Uh, it's been kind of a, a vague description of whatever's going on with him, so kind of have to try to keep an eye on him. Hopefully he comes back at some point. Cornerback uh, Chris Gaston looks like he's getting close. Uh, probably not for this week again, but um, no, he's making progress. He's running around at practice quite a bit. And Jasad Haynes, a defensive tackle, haven't seen him participate in practice for a couple weeks, so... Um, doesn't look like he'll be back anytime soon, but perhaps in the, sometime in November as well, they might be able to get him back. Uh, so things, uh, hopefully, things will start to kind of uh, shape out a little bit here, uh, getting some of these players uh, running. And so far, we're, what we're waiting for is for someone else in the depth chart to kind of step up, and they they haven't really, uh, especially on the f- offensive line. Um, so we'll we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that and see if things will will change here in the in the future but uh some of these younger players really have stepped up Amorie Edwards had another huge <laughs> catch uh against Air Force uh, you know safe to say we're going to see a lot more of that going forward right Jackson yeah i mean t- two games now he's played in his whole college career and he's been the leading receiver in both games it's been really impressive uh not surprised uh, by what he's been doing. I am a little surprised he's gotten all the reps that he has. Thought it might take him a little bit longer to get that trust over a lot of other receivers that have already played a lot this season. But uh, with Chris Coleman moving to cornerback, that really opened the door for Edwards to step up and play in that slot. Uh, he's really taken advantage of that, obviously. And uh, I mean, just as a redshirt freshman, you're really excited about what he can do if he can stay healthy going forward. 
And on the offensive and defensive lines, uh, freshmen stepping up there as well. Bula Schmidt got the start at, at uh, Muti's left guard position last weekend and uh, did a pretty solid job. I mean, again, in the first half, no complaints on the offensive line. Second half, things kind of broke down, but uh, not necessarily from his spot. Uh, so there was a lot of optimism from what he did at the left guard position. And then on the defensive line, uh, Alex Dumay getting his first start, had seven tackles, which was the most on the D-line against that Air Force triple option. And he actually had two tackles for loss, which were big plays. Uh, one of them actually led to Air Force's only punt of the day. Uh, so credit Dumay as a, a really promising young defensive lineman as well. You know, and it seems like, a, uh, you know, you just meant, mentioned the punter, and I was I was thinking, wait a minute, something happened this last game that was very uncharacteristic of him, <laughs> wasn't it, Jackson? It looked like that ball just kind of went off the side of his foot or whatever it was, and it's like everything that can go wrong has been going wrong, yeah. especially, at, you know, when you have this all-conference punter who, you know, may have uh, NFL-type uh, caliber talent, also having a hard time uh, this season. So, I mean, what can you make of that? I mean, it's things are a little weird right now. Yeah, I mean, he had been solid basically all year until this one. Uh, first punt out there wasn't until the third quarter. <laughs> Maybe it was a little rusty, I guess, but, uh, coming off a of bye week too. But first one was not good, and the second one, um, or the, another one later in the game where the Bulldogs were trying to pin Air Force, which was kind of a, a call a lot of Bulldog fans did not particularly like with uh, fourth quarter down by a couple of scores uh, Bulldogs choosing to punt it there instead of going for it and the ball skips into the end zone so didn't really do him much good to punt anyway there um, so yeah just uh, the offense was hot in the first half and then basically top to bottom rest of the game <laughs> was not very impressive by the dogs now nah, and and you know it, it is what it is this one this one we kind of have to put this uh this one behind us uh you know bulldogs are coming back to bulldog stadium this friday uh and it's going to be here um and i i just i don't anticipate huge numbers as far as the crowd is concerned um but you know it is the only show in town after uh being gone for over a month so i don't know We'll see. We'll see if we get the fans here uh, to to come into this one. I mean, they get to they get to come back to Bulldog Stadium and face uh, a UNLV team who, right now, the Bulldogs are favored to beat them. However, UNLV took care of business against Vanderbilt last week and won thirty four to ten. Very strange, Jackson. <laughs> this is an odd season. Some of these teams are looking better than what they should be. Um, and what can you make of this UNLV team coming here to Bulldog Stadium? They they could give the Bulldogs a lot more than they anticipate and really give them trouble, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, at least the way they played last weekend, it was not characteristic of the rest of their season by any means. Uh, they were just 1-4 and four going into that game. They had an FCS win to start the year, but... I mean, they lost to Arkansas State at home, 43-17. They went to Northwestern. They lost 30-14. to They went to a Wyoming team that's not really known for their offense, lost 53-17. to And then they hosted uh, Boise State, a uh, 38-13 loss. I mean, four lopsided games in a row by the Rebels. that didn't look very good. And then they go to Vanderbilt in SEC territory and win <laughs> by a lot. So, I mean, it's kind of a head-scratcher there. And the Mountain West has quite a few of these wins, and 
a lot of them from teams you wouldn't expect, like UNLV, like San Jose State, but um, do you definitely think UNLV is the hotter team coming into this game with a big win like that? Fresno State with a really ugly loss against Air Force on the road. Um, so the Rebels have uh, some momentum coming their way. But it is interesting, coming off a short week, Vegas had to fly back home from Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Uh, they'll have another travel day to Fresno State. They have just one last day to prepare for this one. So it's going to be a, a short turnaround for both of these teams, but even shorter for UNLV. Yeah, so it's going to – this matchup uh, I am intrigued by because uh, UNLV, um, you know, it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. You never know what team you're going to get out of them, uh, especially, you know, the, them struggling early on and then going and beating Vanderbilt in at Vanderbilt. So – uh, there's been a lot of that going on with the Mountain West this year, and and I'm just kind of just not sure what in the world is going on lately. Uh, but it's going to be safe to say there's going to be a number of players on the UNLV team that were probably Bulldog recruits at some point that ended up going to UNLV because they never got an offer from Fresno State. So it's it's one of those matchups where some of these players are going to come in with a chip on their shoulder as usual and. And try and give the Bulldogs all that they can handle. Is it going to be one of those where it's going to be kind of chippy, uh, so to speak, on on the field uh, this coming week? Well, the big one is Charles Williams. He's the running back for UNLV, the go-to guy. And uh, he's played Fresno State twice now. He's a, a junior. Uh, 2016, he was a true freshman and had quite a day against the Bulldogs, uh, ran for 153 yards and a touchdown on just 18 carries. They beat Fresno State 45-20, to 20, but you know that feels like quite a long time ago. Uh, he did not play in the 2017 game where the Rebels again beat Fresno State with an upset uh, in Bulldog Stadium. But even last year when Fresno State went to Vegas, they won 48-3. to three. It was a blowout. I mean, Rebels were never in the game. He still ran for 121 yards on 16 carries, so... I would not be surprised at all, regardless of how this game turns out, that he would probably be running as hard as he has the last two times, putting up big numbers again. As we saw last year, it didn't really affect the outcome of the game, but he's definitely the one that I see carries this game on his heart a little bit differently than the rest of the Rebels. And, um, you know, we'll see. This is a Fresno State team that's having some adversity. If they get hit in the mouth by UNLV, we'll see how they respond. Um, Vegas is coming in pretty excited off that Vanderbilt win, so there is a potential for some clashes early on. We'll see if Fresno State can survive any early attacks from UNLV. Yeah, you know, I, I was just hoping that this one would be in like Los Angeles because you know I've had fun the last couple of years there, <laughs> but, but I mean in, in Las Vegas. But but that being said, it is here. Uh, Bulldogs are favored to win this one. I believe they are double digit favorites at the moment. Uh, that line could change uh, depending on uh, you know other factors go- moving forward. If the Bulldogs uh, continue to to struggle to get a, an offensive line together, uh, it could be a, a, another long day for the Bulldogs. But you know, matching up on paper, uh, this Fresno State offense versus this Nevada, not Nevada, UNLV defense. How, how do you see them stacking up so far? Um, you know, this UNLV defense has not done much good all year until going to Vanderbilt and holding them to 10 points. That was a, a bit of a surprise. But otherwise, I mean, they've given up a lot of points to just about everyone they've played, at least 30 to uh, the previous four FBS teams that they faced. Um, 
it's an interesting defense. They run a three-four scheme, and you look at their two interior defensive tackles that they're going to roll with. Uh, on the depth chart, all four of them. Uh, you look at the first team and second teamers. They're all three hundred plus pounds. Uh, they've got a six foot and three hundred and thirty-five pounder, a six foot four and three hundred pounder, a six foot three and three hundred and twenty-five pounder. I mean, they're going to have some big bodies, and we'll see if that's good or bad for the Bulldogs. You know, we've seen um, teams like Sacramento State come in with really undersized guys on the front line. We saw Air Force last week with a real variety. Um, you know, big guy on one end, little guy on the other end. That's what USC <laughs> did as well. Or excuse, yeah, USC did as well. So, I mean, the Bulldogs have seen a variety of things, and the running game really hasn't taken off that well. Uh, talking to the coaches, they did like what the running game was doing at Air Force, but the passing game was so hot at the beginning, there was not much of a need to run the ball too much. Uh, they only went 15 carries for 59 yards, I believe, by the time the game was over. So. Not a really good sample size of what that def- or what the running game did there, but um, you know overall, UNLV just hasn't been very successful on defense, and you would anticipate Fresno State can get things going both in the passing game and the running game. Um, UNLV particularly is ranked number 113 in run defense, so as long as the Bulldogs can clear those big guys out of the way up front, we should see Ronnie Rivers and Josh Hokett have one of their better games of the year. Um, and lastly, if you, UNLV forces any turnovers, watch them bring out that Chucky doll. That's their turnover chain. So <laughs> don't be, uh, if you're wondering why they're carrying around a, a creepy doll on the sideline, that's uh, the reason there. That's their celebratory turnover reward. <laughs> the Chucky doll. Yeah. That is, that's hilarious. Uh, but I mean, just by what you're saying here, uh, we could expect possibly a big day on the ground for the Bulldogs if if they're able to even just move some of those defensive linemen out of the way, clearing some <laughs> lanes for the for for the running backs. I mean, you, I mean, either either Rivers or Hokett could essentially have a big day if things go right for the Bulldogs, right, Jackson? Yeah, I think this is a matchup that's set up best for it. Again, UNLV 108th in the nation with uh, 32.8 points allowed per game. 113th in the run defense again, almost 210 yards a game. Passing defense hasn't been great either. Number 66 in the country, about 222 yards per game. So the Bulldogs should be able to kind of pick their way around, but definitely in the running game, especially for a Fresno State offense that hasn't really displayed the traditional running game very well to this point. Uh, this should be a, an opportunity for them to just run between the tackles, and if they can't do it against UNLV, then they can't really do it against much of anyone. <laughs> so essentially, you could also expect maybe Jalen Cropper to have a, a big day running the ball if he continues to do those in-arounds, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, we didn't see much of that against Air Force. I think they ran it twice, one with him and one with Grimm, and it worked both times, so... I mean, that play hasn't been stopped yet. So I, if the Bulldogs have more touches with the ball than they did at Air Force, that should allow them to run that play a few more times. And, you know, again, looking at Vanderbilt, they only scored 10 points on UNLV, but their running back took 15 carries for 140 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> so, uh, again, even if this game isn't uh, the best for the Bulldogs, they should at the very least be able to run the ball on UNLV and uh, get Rivers and Hoke it going. Yeah, so this one could be, uh, it, you know, could be a breakout game for the Bulldogs offensively, uh, especially on the run, the run game, uh, if they can get things together. Uh, but you know, 
I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch, uh, especially after the way things have have gone so far this season with this offensive line. Uh, it all depends if they're able to gel together and actually start to make the holes for the running back. So uh, we'll see how things start to develop there. Uh, but off, uh, defensively, the Bulldogs facing UNLV, a little bit different uh, this uh, of course, we have mentioned that their running back for UNLV has had success against the Bulldogs, uh, posting 100-plus yard games uh, on on a couple of occasions against the Bulldogs. Is that is that going to be a problem, or is the Bulldogs going to be able to kind of shut down this UNLV offense? You know, it's uh, another year and another offense for UNLV. It's been bizarre. Uh, they have started a different quarterback against Fresno State every year in Mountain West play, which is incredible. And the most bizarre thing about it is that their actual starting quarterback for the last three years is going to miss this game again. He hasn't even played Fresno State. <laughs> and it's been a storyline I was hoping to see play out at some point because the Bulldogs were a, a top option for Armani Rogers, the quarterback recruit from Los Angeles. He ended up picking UNLV at the very end. And he's been hurt, and he's hurt again. He's been described as the emergency quarterback for this one, so probably won't see him again for a third straight year. And this is a UNLV offense that's looked a little bit different with Kenyon Oblad at quarterback. He's a redshirt freshman, and they've basically played three really different games with him as their starter the last three games. Uh, they went to Wyoming. Um, he only threw it 31 times, only got 176 yards, threw two picks, was not a very good performance. Um, and this is, again, a UNLV team that loves to run the ball. But when they went, they played Boise State, he threw it 55 times. I don't believe UNLV has had a quarterback throw 55 times uh, since, uh, I mean, if Coach Sanchez has been there. I don't know if it's happened since he's been there for the last five years or so. Uh, and then against Vanderbilt, they went right back to the run. He only threw it 16 times, so... It's hard to tell exactly what they want to do on offense. I know ideally they like to run the ball. They prefer to do it with the quarterback as a, a runner as well. But Oblad is not really that kind of guy at quarterback. Um, last game against Vanderbilt, they went with a one-two punch, which was also a first for UNLV. Uh, Charles Williams, as good as he's been, he was only their second best back on the day. They went to a sophomore running back who stands at six foot two, Chad Magyar. Had 22 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown. Um, so if you're going off Vanderbilt, you would anticipate the recipe would be a one-two punch with the running game and uh, a very seldomly passing the ball. Uh, the guy with Bulldog ties at UNLV with the, in the receivers department is Randall Grimes. He's actually the uh, younger brother of Nate Grimes on the Fresno State basketball team. Uh, Randall transferred from USC to UNLV this season, and he's eligible. He's been their top option so far in the passing game. But, I mean, it's going to be tough for the Bulldogs to anticipate anything for sure. As, as mentioned, UNLV's done something a little bit different each of the past few weeks, and it's probably going to be different than what we've seen from them in the past as well. In 2017, when they came here and got the win, uh, they really did focus on the running game, passed it very seldomly, just enough to move the chains and control the clock. It was very successful. Uh, last year, they got nothing going against Fresno State's defense, so um, very inconsistent, but we've seen them able to hurt the Bulldogs, and they've got the blueprint if they can do what they did two years ago. Now, that you mentioned that they, they've had a different offense you know, almost every single season. <laughs> Doesn't that make it difficult for, for players that go to a, a university like this 
to constantly having to change the offense over and over and over. It, it makes it harder for them to learn something. Why not stick with the offense? Are they changing that offensive coordinator all the time? Is that what's the case? Well, it's been a matter of who they have at quarterback because, uh, again, Armani Rodgers, he's the guy that they like to run read option with, a lot of quarterback running, and when he gets hurt, as he has the last three years in a row now, the next guy up is not necessarily a runner, and it takes out that whole dimension out of the playbook. Uh, and then last year as well, Charles Williams went down with an injury, which took a big hole out of the running game. So they've it's really been a matter of having to adapt to what they're doing. And, of course, just not having stability at the quarterback position is a big one. Um, Oblad's interesting because if he turns out and pans out for UNLV, he's only a redshirt freshman. Maybe they can develop him down the road, or if they get Rodgers back, he has another year of eligibility. So um, yeah, just it's been tough with injuries for UNLV in particular, and even the quarterbacks they've had healthy haven't been the particularly the most successful guys either. Now, looking at, at this matchup, uh, who do you think could potentially have a big day for the Bulldogs uh, moving forward going into this Friday's game? Uh, you know, let's let's start off with the offense. Who do you who do you potentially see could have a big day? I look for Rivers and Hokett to. I mean, this should be the best chance the Bulldogs have had in the running game so far this season. Uh, I anticipate they'll go to it a little bit more this game. Uh, just in Air Force, they were throwing the ball so well in the first half, they really got away from it. But uh, I definitely look for those two. Um, in the passing game, I think it's hard to to look at Edwards and think that he's not going to do something similar for a third straight game. So I, I would like him. And uh, the Bulldogs did go to uh, Jared Rice and Cam Sutton real early against Air Force, and it kind of phased out <laughs> throughout the game. So maybe they go back to the tight ends a little bit more too. Yeah, so that I I I agree, and I I also I'm going to throw in Cropper too. I think this is going to be the game where they're going to start using him a little bit more, not only on those end rounds, but also possibly in the passing game. Um, I this is usually when you're when you're going into basically game six halfway through the season. That's when some of these younger guys are, are starting to come into their own and they'll start to kind of, you know, open the faucet a little bit more on them, getting them a little bit more involved. I expect to see Cropper getting more and more involved uh, throughout this uh, this season, um, making it a, an interesting dynamic of, of giving him the ball, you know, because he, he's, he's a special player. You get the ball into his hands and he can make things happen. So look for him to kind of uh, break out a little bit more in this game as well. Uh, but that uh, moving on to the defensive side now, who do you who do you expect to possibly have a, a huge game uh, against uh, the UNLV team? I look for Michael Walker and Justin Rice to be relied on quite a bit in this game. It's um, we've seen Fresno State's defense go with quite a few different strategies this season based off who they're playing, and that's what interests me most about this game because UNLV has had to go with different strategies on offense. So uh, I'll be curious to see how the Bulldogs match up. We've seen them go with more of a 3-4 defense, actually more often than not this season. Uh, they do have the traditional 4-3 look that they've had in the past, but I think they're going to have to rely on Rice and Walker to plug the run uh, from the linebacker positions. And then on those second and third and longs, if they, they're they going to drop back a lot of players, as I anticipate they will, they have in the past games. Uh, Rice and Walker are often the guys to clean things up in the middle and try to force those punts on third down. So I look for those two, and um, you know it's kind of a depending on how the game turns out. If UNLV can run the ball successfully, uh, it's going to be a long day for Fresno State's defense again. 
Uh, if the Bulldogs can force them into some third and longs, I could definitely see some interceptions coming Fresno State's way. And uh, just about all four of those defensive backs are capable of making those plays happen when given the opportunity. Yeah, and, and I agree. I, I think this is going to be a, a good opportunity for the Bulldogs to kind of right the ship, especially after a very poor showing against Air Force, not being able to slow them down, down at all. This is going to be more of a uh, an offense for the defense. Uh, it's going to be more in their wheelhouse to defend against. Uh, so it should it should help the Bulldogs settle down and, and get comfortable again on defense uh, going into this Friday's game. But uh, before before we 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 check out of this podcast, there was some big news, uh, you know, bad news for the Bulldogs uh, when they lost the, a a really prized recruit in uh, four star uh, quarterback Jaden Casey, um, who has decommitted from Fresno State and has now committed over to Cal. Uh, huge loss for the Bulldogs, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean. Definitely a bummer for sure. He's been committed to Fresno State for 16 months now. Uh, really the story you want to hear when a big-time recruit commits to the Bulldogs, a guy that wanted to be the guy at Fresno State and not another guy at one of the bigger schools, um, You know, someone that had really bought into the Bulldog program, uh, wanted to play for Jeff Tedford, his main reason for committing to Fresno State. Um, you know, Just a, a really feel-good story uh, for the last year and a half almost now. And it goes wrong just two months before early National Signing Day. Uh, flips to Cal. And that was, I mean, I think a lot of people looked at the offer list and assumed something like this could happen, particularly when Alabama offers you. Uh, I mean, you look down the line, Arizona State, Arkansas, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oregon State, Purdue, uh, Utah, Washington State, a list that, I mean, is huge for Fresno State to have a commit that has those kinds of offers um, just kind of a little bit surprised that maybe Cal ended up being the choice there uh, if he was going to go somewhere else. Um, turned out that uh, he really prized uh, Cal's academics uh, as the number one public school, quote-unquote, <laughs> in the nation. Um, so it looks like he's headed to Cal. Uh, I mean, it's hard to see exactly where things went wrong. He didn't really blame Fresno State for anything. He just said that he took some extra time to consider Cal's pitch and thought it was too good to pass up and made the difficult call to coach Tedford to give him the news. Um, you know, you can only wonder if perhaps Jake Hayner coming in as a transfer from Washington had something to do with that. Looks like he's in position to start for the Bulldogs the next two years, if he can beat out uh, the current backups for Fresno state. So, um, again, I've got some experience with Cal as well. They've got a starter that's got two years of eligibility as well. So, um, we've got the story there on barkboard.com. You can see all his quotes and why he des- described it a little bit more what he wanted to do. But at the end of the day, it does feel like a little bit of a head scratcher, the timing, the, the school of this destination and just the overall disappointment that Fresno state had him locked up for quite some time. And that's not going to play out as expected. Now with, uh, Jaden Casey not coming here to Fresno state, uh, take a little bit of, you know, take a little bit of time there and kind of kind of break down what you see could be the possible uh, outcome and what it means for the Bulldogs here. Yeah, uh, on the premium board, we've got kind of a list of guys to watch out for. Um, The Bulldogs have been in contact with a few guys already, uh, so they're going to get to recruiting this 2020 quarterback position, it looks like. Um, 
They could elect not to recruit anyone at all, though, too. Uh, they've got five quarterbacks slated to return next season. Uh, three of them are on scholarship. It looks like uh, Hayner and Ben Woldridge and Stephen Comstock are basically going to fight out for the starting job. Um, so they don't really need an immediate quarterback addition with this class, whether it be JUCO, transfer, high school. Uh, but it would be nice. Uh, they didn't recruit a high school or last class as a scholarship guy. They do have two preferred walk-ons this season with uh, Blaze McKibben and Nate Lamb. It would be nice if they can get a scholarship guy as a, a true freshman in this class to kind of develop and be the next wave of quarterbacks to compete down the line. But um, as far as the, the short term goes, Fresno State seems to be in a, a pretty good spot for the next two to three years at least. So, yeah, so things things are going to start to get interesting as far as the quarterback position is concerned. Uh, I still uh, feel that maybe one of these quarterbacks that are currently on the roster uh, may leave uh, by next season. Um, it's just a gut feeling. It always happens every single year. There's one guy in the line that doesn't like his spot in line and decides to go somewhere else to get a better chance of playing. Uh, it could happen, could very well happen, uh, but the Bulldogs, I, I do agree with you, they they should um, go out and try and, and fill that void of Jaden Casey to get a, a scholarship quarterback on the roster. Uh, whether or not they're going to be able to do it this late in the game, because they were sitting pretty, they had a quarterback, yeah. they didn't have to worry about it. Now they have to scramble and try to go find that other player uh, and try and fill that vacancy not going to be easy. It's a little late in the game. Um, but, uh, Jackson has that kind of, a uh, list of targets on our premium board, I believe. Right, Jackson. Yeah. I've got quite a few, uh, some of them confirmed that Fresno state's been reaching out to, uh, definitely about five or six guys, at least on the radar. So, uh, an idea of what direction they might go next. There's still some good talented quarterbacks out there, but, um, you know, probably not going to be what <laughs> Jaden Casey had on the resume, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if you want uh, to get an inside scoop on who the Bulldogs could possibly be going after, uh, go over to the premium boards and you can find it there. Uh, Jackson has a breakdown of all those different players that could possibly be a target for the Bulldogs and some of which have already been confirmed uh, and we'll give you the latest on what's going on there. That being said, uh, any final thoughts, Jackson? Um, just heading into UNLV, see how this one goes. Um, it's a, an odd one that Fresno State not feeling too good. UNLV feeling really good, but the Bulldogs 15-point favorites. So we'll see if the Bulldogs can bounce back. If they can, and if they can beat Colorado State the following week, um, I think Fresno State fans will feel a little bit better. Uh, also watch out for Air Force. They go to Hawaii this weekend, and they host Utah State the following weekend. So we might see if that Air Force team is either better than we thought or if uh, the loss becomes even more alarming after those two performances. Um, so still a lot to learn. I think within the next two weeks we'll either be amped about a big West Divisional matchup at Hawaii or we'll be kind of holding this one in if the Bulldogs can't win one. Uh, at least these next two games uh, should be heavy favorites again next week against Colorado State. So they really got to right the ship and get out of these growing pains in the next two weeks. Uh, and if they do, we'll have some more uh, excitement around Fresno State football uh, going into the last month of the season. 
So uh, depending on what happens this Friday, we'll determine whether Jackson will be covering uh, the Hawaii game on the field or from the beach. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here, uh, with these next couple of games for Jackson. Uh, but that being said, if you want to find Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report, And also uh, go over to our Facebook page, give it a like, and, and find out what's going on, what people are saying there. Um, you can find us on our boards at thebarkboard.com um, and check out our premium boards if you haven't done so. Um, there are always specials going on uh, to become a premium subscriber, uh, but you know you can always give it the trial run and you won't be disappointed. That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>